We return this morning to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13, which of course is the disciples' model prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. And all God's people say, Father, thank you this morning for our opportunity to study this model prayer as given as a part of Messiah's manifesto for our own sense of understanding concerning prayer between the two Advents, from the time in which Jesus Christ came until the time in which Jesus Christ comes again, this prayer represents the kind of praying that the people of God, in fact, do. Help us then to understand the uniqueness of the prayer, its relationship to the time in which we live, and how it underscores things most necessary in the will of God for all of us. And for that we will praise you in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. Most everyone here is familiar with Exodus 27 that says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. The word vain in that third command of ten means futile or trivial in manner. If we were to restate the third command of the Ten Commandments in positive terms, we could not improve upon this phrase. Hallowed be thy name. Even on the surface, this first petition in the model prayer, as given by King Jesus, begs to be applied. We all understand the insult and the evil of outright blasphemy. We live in a day when people commonly invoke the name of God to damn things or to express their excitement over practically everything from a dog to a jar of ice cream. Uh, But what about other uses of God's name so frequent in society at large and even within the company of saints? Do we speak of God with reverence? Do we speak to God with reverence and recognition of his person as the one true God of heaven and earth? The first and foremost concern in prayer 
according to the Lord Jesus, is that the name of God be hallowed. It's prayer request number one. Let the name of God be hallowed. That's the idea. Today we're going to see, and I trust better graphs, the instruction from the lips of the Lord Jesus as a part of his Messiah or Messianic manifesto. I remind you that we have here before us uh, that which flows out of the mouth of the living Lord as a model after inducing, introducing the subject of prayer uh, in verse 5 under the banner after uh, when thou prayest. Our Lord said, do not pray like hypocrites and heathen do, but rather pray like this. And this model prayer is indeed the portion of that structure encouraging us to pray like this. This, of course, reminds us of that grammatical structure that really flows through the entire sixth chapter in which uh, the Lord uses five illustrations to help his listeners grasp the demand of God for personal piety and heart devotion. Previously, we've covered the devotional topic of giving. There's a way to give as unto the Lord, verses 1 to 4. And then as introduced back in verse 5, uh, the topic of right-minded and right-hearted praying is brought to bear. And it is that which introduces then the model prayer of which we are familiar in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. After addressing the misdirected prayer of the hypocritical uh, individual that prays to be seen of men, as referenced in verse 5, and the misdirected manner of prayer uh, uh, in engaging in, in rather mindless repetitions and restatements before the throne of God, verse 7, King Jesus says, Now, after this manner, therefore, pray ye. After addressing the importance of prayer, pray to God the Father. The first and foremost thing that is brought to bear thereafter, we could call it the first request or petition number one, is that God's name be sanctified, hallowed, holyized, if you will. We could say it, holy be God. The key to this phrase in prayer is the verb tense. It is a passive imperative verb, hallowed, meaning that it is asking God to do something for himself. The phrase, hallowed be thy name, is asking God to do something for himself. Now we know that God is already in person that which this prayer request requests. God is holy. He is hallowed. He is sanctified. He does not become more holy or more hallowed or more uh, holyized as a result of anything that you or I do or pray. Uh, most often when this phrase is understood to be uh, uh, the expressed desire of the praying person uh, to ascribe to God or to recognize God as being uh, uh, hallowed or are holy. 
and that certainly is a part of it here, although it's not the big thing. You'll see the big thing here in a moment or two, but that is a thought. It's a good thought. It's a right thought, but it's not the main thought. The line of thought here takes us to the fuller sense of our responsibility before God to pray like this and to live accordingly to hallowed be thy name. Ultimately, in practical application, to pray hallowed be thy name is to seek to live in such a way that God is honored, that God is loved, and that God is obeyed. By such a prayer, the one praying is pledging themselves to complete submission to the Word of God and the will of God. It's as if we're saying, Father, I desire you and the magnification of your name uh, in my life in this moment of time. By word and in deed, we are to hallow God's name. Now, we want to press the phrase further because I assure you, we have only just barely scratched the surface of the depth of this first petition in the prayer, hallowed be thy name. And so as we press the phrase for the fullness of its meaning and application, we do so, first of all, this morning by thinking about holiness and extent, or the extent of holiness as represented in this first petition, hallowed be thy name. God's name or person is to be sanctified by its exaltation, not just among his people, but according to the scripture, God's name is to be sanctified or hallowed ultimately by every single human being that has ever lived. We believe that God's name is to be hallowed in all of heaven and that God's name is to be hallowed in all of earth. God is holy and surely he deserves to be recognized as holy around the world and out of this world. And all God's people say amen to that. We pray for this day of global glorification. We pray about it because we know for a fact that that day will come. Let me say that again. We pray about that because we know, in fact, that that day will come. We gladly bow the knee and hallow God's name as God here and now, knowing that many, many people, some of which are our relatives, do not. And you and I have absolutely no control whatsoever over what other people do on any given Sunday, if the congregation would ever represent the people that I think should be here, there would no longer be a seat for you to sit down. 
But it just isn't like that. There's always plenty of the Wood family around, you know, Wood Pews and the Wood family. There's plenty of wood, plenty of wood, still seeing plenty of wood. I believe, you believe, that God's name ought to be hallowed around the world and all through the universe by both the seen and the unseen. But today, it's not like that. And you and I have no control over that, do we now? But we can pray. This number one prayer request or prayer concern shared among the people of God is that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We pray, hallowed be God's name, because God ought to be recognized as holy by all his creation. And we know in the familiar New Testament text of Philippians chapter 2, 10 and 11, that in fact the scripture tells us that there's a coming day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Listen to a little paragraph from the writings of David Crump. He said, thus, the first petition of the Lord's Prayer is a request for God the Father, the Creator, the King, and the Redeemer, to be publicly recognized as awesome, merciful, majestic, righteous, holy, tender, and terrible throughout every dimension of creation, in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, as every knee bows and every tongue confesses, the glory of the one and only God. That's a good summary of what you and I, that's the zone that you and I are entering into when we call upon God the Father in heaven and we express to him our desire that his name be holyized, that his name be sanctified that his name be indeed hallowed. So who exactly has the ability to bring about global glorification for God? Answer, only one does, and that one is God. God alone is capable of sanctifying his own name on a global scale. And according to the scripture, that is exactly what he has always planned to do. What we're doing here this morning is not abnormal. What we're doing here this morning, is heavenly normal. And soon, in the coming day, will be normal in heaven and on earth. It is a phenomenal thing to think about. And that evokes, then, this whole idea of holiness and eschatology, or the doctrine of last things, or the goal of it all for God. From the very beginning. This number one prayer request of ours parallels 
what we know to be true about the plan of God. God can make all creation to hallow him. He can. And God will make all creation to hallow him. That is God's plan. Now, there's a number of places, and we'll look at one here in just a moment together. But let me just read you a few verses from Isaiah 45, because that's where the Apostle Paul uh, got that every knee uh, bow, every tongue confess. Paul got that uh, from the prophecies of Isaiah. Isaiah 45, 23 to 25 reads this way. I have sworn by myself, said Yahweh, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear or confess. Surely shall one say, in the Lord have I righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. That's the Old Testament prophecy that the Apostle Paul quotes in Philippians chapter 2 when saying in reference to Christ, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But for me, especially when studying the Messiah's manifesto in Matthew chapter 6, for me, where it really gets to uh, uh, goose uh, bumps, or as some people say, glory bumps, uh, where it really gets there for me is by taking in the prophecy of Isaiah, I'm sorry, Ezekiel chapter 36. Would you turn with me, please? you got to see this. Ezekiel uh, chapter uh, 36. And in this text, uh, there's a bit of a historical review as the word of the Lord comes to his prophet Ezekiel. You remember that Ezekiel was prophesying uh, from outside the land of promise. He was there a part of the uh, scattering of nations under the judgment of God. Verse 19 of uh, Ezekiel 36 mentions the fact that God scattered his people among the nations because of their disobedience and the dishonoring of his name. Uh, verse 20 is an interesting verse to read, and it has a sense of nuance. You might not pick up on it upon first reading, uh, but verse 20 of Ezekiel 36 says, And when they... Uh, the nation of Israel, entered into the heathen, whither they went, when Israel was dispersed among the nations, they profaned my holy name, said God. When they said to them, the nation saying to Israel, these are the people of the Lord and are gone forth out of his land, God says, not only that the children of Israel profaned his name, but the way that they lived when they went into heathen lands was such that the other people like him said, you mean to tell me that those people that go to that church are the Lord's? You mean to tell me that they're God's people? You've got to be kidding me. That was the attitude of the heathen concerning the so-called people of God. Verse 21, but, here you go, Paula, but, but, 
I, says God, had pity for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen whither they went. Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither ye went. Verse 23, don't miss it. And I will hallow my great name. I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. That is a phenomenal prophecy, Ezekiel 36, 23, for us to exegetically unpack, as they say. Not only is God going to sanctify his own name on earth, but he is going to do it in the same way in which it had been profaned. Not only, listen again, not only is God going to sanctify his own name, but he's going to do it in the same way it was profaned. It was profaned by people knowing about him and being introduced to the truth of him, living the way that they wanted to live, and profaning his name. And so God is not only going to exercise himself eschatologically in the future to honor his name, but he's going to do it in such a way to use people his people, to bring to him the honor and the glory and the magnification that is indeed warranted. In Ezekiel 36, Israel is specifically said in the coming day uh, that will lead the nations in hallowing the name of God. Israel, in the coming eschatological day, will lead the way among nations in hallowing the name of God. Until then, God has us. Here we are, Sunday morning, heading towards 11. And why have we come together? Answer, to hallow the name of God. That God's name be hallowed somewhere in western Michigan on this Lord's Day morning is absolutely one of the most important things that you or I could give ourselves to do. God has planned to sanctify his name in all of heaven and earth. And the way he will do this is by the redemption of his people. We, like 
future Israel are saved for his name's sake. The phrase, hallowed be thy name, must be primarily understood as an expression of understanding of what God has promised to do in the future. We pray thus, in essence, saying, O God, may today be the day. This phrase, then, is primarily eschatological. It is a, a, a prayer request based upon the fact you already know God's answer to this prayer request. I already know the answer to the prayer request. God has already said, here's the answer. Here's the answer. Here's the answer. But you keep praying. You keep praying. Listen, if you think it's something to talk to God about your problems when you know he already knows, think about this. You're talking to God in the model prayer about something you already know the answer to. And yet your Lord tells you and me that so praying honors God and that God desires it. And I'm simply saying to you, let's give it to God. Let's give it to God. Let's give to God that which he desires. Hallowed be thy name. That brings us to the third thing this morning. I call it holiness and expression. Of all the various names employed revealing to us the character and the plan of God, which one name is the most significant? The answer would be Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Christ, John 1.18, has declared, has exegeted, God unto people. If you want the clearest teaching about what God's name means, uh, you can look at what Jesus said on your own time in John 17, 6. Jesus said, I have manifest thy name on the earth. Everything Jesus did, everything Jesus said, while on the earth, first advent, manifested and hallowed God's name. He, we learned in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, is the express image of God's own person. God's name has been perfectly hallowed on the earth, in the life of the Lord Jesus. According to the eternal plan of God, Jesus Christ is set to return, and in that day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. That coming day will be a great day of worldwide hallowing. We that confess the Lord Jesus here and now have opportunity to do what we will do and all the world will join us in doing in the coming day, to hallow God's name on earth until that great hour of hallowing. In the meantime, and as I often say it, while the times are mean, meantime, 
in, the, in these days when, when meanness is a part of the mix in which you and I live, hallowing is uh, really a wonderful way to think about uh, the single word under which you and I are to live. What kind of life are you and I to live? Where to live the hallowed life? Hallowing God's name, the hallowed life. Now, I want to show you a New Testament text that, in my mind, kind of brings all of the thoughts we've had thus far all together right back to the reality of the here and the now. But I don't want you to lose sight of the eschatological reality of the fact that we are talking about asking God to do something that we know he's going to do. Asking God to do something that we know he's going to do. Asking God to do something that we know he's going to do. But we also know, concerning our information, concerning the scripture of that future hour, that not everybody that bows the knee will know the benefit of it. Let me say it again. Not everybody in that coming day that bows the knee will know the benefit of it. Because in the day when Christ returns, there is no more salvation. The days of opportunity are over. And indeed, all the world in heaven and earth will bow the knee. And some will bow the knee, having known the Lord's salvation. But many in that coming day will bow the knee only in regards to God's own satisfaction. Holy satisfaction that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. God's holy satisfaction. And so how might we characterize then our task? Now, in light of the fact that we're supposed to be the people that hallow God's name and pray, hallowed be thy name, how could we characterize uh, the task that lies before us uh, here and now, join me, please, in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. In the context of 1 Peter, the dear apostle is talking in this section of his letter about suffering for Jesus' sake. Verse 14, But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Peter says, listen, when you're living here and now with a sense of the honor of Christ in your life, when you're living here and now with a sense of love for Christ, when you're living here and now with a refined hope in Christ, when you're living here and now uh, with, a, with a real sense of the truth that has set your own soul free. When you're living here and now like that, then you've got to expect the fact that from time to time, uh, you're going to take it on the chin. Because the truth is, we are not in heaven yet, and the Lord hasn't come yet, and God's name is not hallowed yet in heaven and in earth. And so you've got to know that uh, you ought to be happy. You ought to be happy. You ought not be sucking your shoelaces. You ought not be singing the sad songs of sorrow during these earthly days because the fact is that 
you know that a little suffering for righteousness' sake ought to cause your heart to be happy because you know you're way, 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 way ahead of the curve. You're doing now what people are going to be doing in eternity, but you're doing it now. You're doing it now. You're way, way, way ahead of the curve. You are worshiping God right here and now as God ought to be worshiped. Thank God you are, and you are. Thank God. Happy are ye when you suffer from for righteousness' sake. Verse 14. Verse 15. But, hallow. Same word. Sanctify. Same word. The Lord God in your heart. Can you bring hallow to God in all the people of the workplace where you work? No. What about the school place where you learn? What about the, the recreational hall where you exercise? Can you, bring, can you bring hallowing to the name of God among all the neighbors in the hood? No. But you do know that, that God's going to make that happen here. It's only a matter of time. And you do know that if you do let your light so shine before men, well, some of them may well glorify your God, uh, your Father in heaven, but other ones will just uh, uh, smile at you and curse when you walk by. But, says the scripture, you hallow the Lord God in your inner life, in your heart, in your personal life. You can't control the hood. You can't control the shop. You can't control the school. But you can control what's happening in your own soul. Sanctify, hallow the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Here's the point. You already know that answer. What's the answer? The answer is God's name will be hallowed. Here's how evangelism happens. Bob, did you know that God's name will be sanctified? That God's name will be hallowed? That God is going to be honored in all the earth? Did you know that? That every knee shall bow in the coming day to the Lord God of heaven and earth as revealed by Jesus Christ. Did you know that? And he says, well, I don't believe that. I, uh, there's a lot of gods and there's a lot of religions and I just don't believe it. Well, say, believe it or not, that's the way it is. And I can't control you, and I can't control this shop, and I can't control this school, and I can't control the hood. But I can control my own heart, and I'm going to hallow, I'm going to sanctify the Lord God in my own soul. And when you have questions, I got the answer. Because the answer is all wrapped up in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that that is the way that normative evangelism happens in the ebb and flow of life as you and I do the first and foremost thing important for all impact and influence for Christ anywhere, which is, which is, which is, hallow the Lord God in your own heart. We should pray, hallowed be thy name. We should pray it with understanding. 
we should exercise ourselves to hallow God in our hearts. And then we should trust the Lord as we seek to represent the truth that there's a great and glorious day coming when all the earth will indeed recognize the name of our great God. In the meantime, Lord, here we are. And I really am glad. Father, this morning, help us to be a responsive people. Help us to take our lead and model from the person of Jesus Christ. Appropriate to the season of this year, help us to think often of his death for our sins and his glorious resurrection and power. But Lord, today, what a glorious thing to be reminded of. That in the coming day, your name will be hallowed. And every knee shall bow. Help us as your people to do it here and to do it now and to do it in the process of the week in our own souls. Creating a sphere of influence for glory, for the truth that sets free. This we pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing, Wounded for Me.